HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero-interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. This is What Doesn't Kill You Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer. And uh, this is uh, strange times we'd be living in, folks. Um, so we have this fancy newfangled way of recording shows uh, that involves no one being in the studio. So if the sound quality doesn't seem quite uh, what you might hope it would be, that is the reason why. So bear with us. We're doing our best. Um, I want to give a big shout out to my uh, HRN team. Matt, the engineer and studio manager, uh, and our excellent executive team, Katie Mosman, Kat Johnson, and everybody is doing an incredible job uh, trying to keep the network going. So um, if you can find it in your heart to uh, drop a few bucks in our beating heart at the upper right-hand side of our website, uh, I know we'd all be grateful for that. These are, uh, as I say, extraordinary times, and we're doing our best to keep you guys informed about what's happening with your food chain. Um, so Derek Wagner, who is joining me today by phone, he is a restaurateur in Providence, Rhode Island. He is the owner and chef of Nick's on Broadway, which celebrated, I think, 19 years uh, just this past spring or winter. And uh, the newly opened Nick's on Westminster, which um, joined the restaurant world, I think, in July. Right, Derek? Uh, yes. And Derek is also the co-chair uh, with Marco Nishima of the Chef's Collaborative. And we're going to talk a little bit about what Chef's Collaborative is doing with its members. But um, first of all, Derek, thanks so much for taking the time out of your day. Um, and tell us a little bit of the nuts and bolts about how you are managing. Are you doing takeout at Nick's on Broadway and at Westminster? Or have you had to close one of your shops? Or how, how are things going for you? 
Hi, Katie. Uh, thanks so much for having me on. It's always a, always a comfort and pleasure uh, to talk to you. you. Um, obviously, I wish it was under different circumstances today, and uh, but again, um, you know this. These types of things, when they happen, they're unpredictable, and it at least provides us with the opportunity to um, to find support and comfort in each other and in our in our incredible food and hospitality community and arts community that we have. Um, so thanks for having me. And yeah, it's uh, as you said, it's it's strange and uncertain and scary times that we're that we're living in right now. And um, it's strange for everybody, um, nationwide, internationally, um, sure. and, and and it's a hard time to be a small business owner and to be uh, a hospitality worker for sure. Um, yeah, and uh, we are we are doing as best as I think that we can, uh, and I am you know trying to. Uh, approach each day with as much hope and positivity as I can muster, and I know that I have a lot of uh, a lot of people counting on me and depending on me. Um, so, of course, that uh, provides motivation and and pressure uh, to try yeah. to to find a way through this. And uh, between you know the over fifty fifty two fifty five uh, employees or so that we have. Um, as well as uh, being the father of two little ladies and husband of my lovely wife, um, you know it's it's um, it's it's a lot, and we are trying to to figure it out. And it's a changing, moving landscape every day. Um, yes. And and this it just can't be understated uh, how how much of an impact this is having and how unique this situation is to have the, uh, the double, uh, double threat of, uh, both a health pandemic and a, and an economic crisis happening simultaneously and, right. uh, feed, feeding each other in the worst possible way. Um, you know, one thing causing challenges, uh, for the other and, and back and forth it goes, um, putting strains on the healthcare system, putting so many strains on the unemployment and and, um, and jobs, which of right. course is going to uh, just have such far-reaching and massive effects that we're going to be feeling probably, uh, you know, not to be uh, uh, not to be too doom and gloom, but I mean, probably forever. I, I think uh, at least for our lifetime, I, I don't know um, how. It it can't be with um, with a massive economic impact and of course the health impact that it's having. Mm -hmm. um, well, what have you had to do yourself? Like, have you had to lay off employees? Oh um, yes, I mean, yes. and it's it's um, you know it's just been the most. I mean, this is hard work, and everybody knows that restaurant yeah. life and hospitality life is not for the. Uh, the faint of heart. Uh, it's okay. a it's a it's a passion project every day. No matter what you're doing, serving, uh, making cocktails, cooking, washing, everything in between, managing. Um, you gotta love it. Uh, you gotta love the work yeah, and the people because there's so many other ways to just make a living that makes so much more sense. Um, so it's hard work anyway, and you know. 
with this, with the coming of this, you know, there was, it, it didn't just happen, you know, over the last couple of weeks. And that's, I think, something that everybody needs to understand from an economic perspective. This has been coming uh, from the very first, um, you know, uh, calls of alarm that were happening uh, overseas in China and then in Italy. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it started to affect people's behavior and people um, were going out less. And we probably had two or three weeks building up to the final announcements and and shutdowns um, where, uh, you know, the media, um, you know, getting, trying to get the information out and some in in a more earnest and and authentic way and some in in a more sensationalized way. Um, were affecting consumer behavior, and and we saw a drop in business first by by fifty percent, then wow. down then down to you know thirty percent, uh, and then the shutdown happened. So now, when you look at a uh, you know a restaurant model, um, which is maybe maybe if if you're doing it right and everything is working, uh, you're looking at still a small independent restaurant 92 cents to maybe 98 cents of every dollar coming in is spoken for and spent uh, right. and now you diminish you diminish your your uh, your revenue um, we don't even use the p word for profit uh, it's <laughs> it's, like, uh, it's, it's it's depressing yeah. it's like you know just trying to generate cash to have operating income um, yeah and now building up with such tight margins uh two three weeks of that to immediately having to shut down and then make that decision and be and there was a lot of social pressure at that time because as we were trying to understand it like was the responsible thing to do to close Uh fully and 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 lay off everybody or was the responsible decision to try to stay open and, and provide some employment and, and provide food for the community. Um, because, you know, we live in cities where hardly anybody cooks for themselves, especially right. not two to three meals a day. Uh, so what happens when you just shutter every single restaurant in a, in a city filled with restaurants where people live in apartments and uh, don't have the means or the space or the preparation to be to be feeding themselves and their loved ones um so what is the responsible decision and uh and as a business owner and a chef and an employer you know that was not it was so unclear and and caused so much anxiety and stress uh among our community uh and and I really feared that it was going to get very polarizing and judgy and judgmental um that that um, what was the right and responsible decision to do. And, you know, I, I thought about our reality and I thought about what we were doing and, and our financial situation. And I just thought that we had all this food, you know, we were stocked up. We were, yeah. you know, we, we at, at Westminster, we were open seven days a week. So we didn't really have that, you know, one to two day, that, that Sunday, Monday to think and adjust, you know, it was yeah. like half is showing up, food is there. Uh, what do we do? 
Um, so we, we decided to stay open and do takeaway, um, and takeout and try to figure that out. And, you know, the first week of it was disastrous in terms of, uh, from an operational standpoint, I mean, we were able to help, you know, start to process some of the food pickles and freeze and, and, you know, make soups and, and, and things like of that nature. But in terms of sales and revenue, uh, you know, it was a couple hundred dollars every day. Yeah. Uh, and it just didn't make a lot of sense as we were doing it in both locations because I, I didn't know what to do. You know, there was no time to stop and think. Um, and, you know, I, it was just so much and, and it's still so much because uh, it's, you know, it's not like it's in the rearview mirror. Um, so it's like right. everything's changing every day and you're just trying to adapt and trying to adjust. And um, from an, you know, the, the economic point of view, uh, you know, we were already in at Westminster in our, you know, within her first eight months of opening and a massive build out, massive uh, yeah. over, overhead, uh, you know, 30, 30 plus employees. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I had to make the decision uh, that the hard decision to, uh, with no clear resolution in sight, you know, there's talk of hope, so there's talk of these bills and how they will help. Uh, and I'm hopeful for that. But at the end of the day, you know, we had rent, we have a mortgage right. or a loan, we have, uh, we have the um, payroll, we have vendors, we have people that need payment, and we have payables and, uh, and taxes, so many taxes do. And um, we had to lay everybody off, uh, including oh, myself. Yeah. Um, yep. You know, and, and I don't, I don't draw a, a big salary uh, either. Um, so uh, I, mean, I have servers and and managers that and and hourly employee that employees that sometimes make more money than I do, um, and I and I'm okay with that. I mean, I wish better for my family and for myself, but like in, in terms of just trying to keep the train on the tracks, I've, I've, I've made peace with that in terms of trying to get to where I hope to, for us to be and for us to get. And um, I was able for the first week to keep a staff of um, six or so uh, on at one um, restaurant and four uh, three, three or four at the, at the other restaurant. And, mm -hmm. um, and then after the first week I had to close Westminster down and try to figure out if we were even going to be able to open again at, at Broadway. And, um, and it just, it, I can't even express the emotional, uh, trauma of having to lay off uh you know that many i know people. you have a lot of staff that has been with you for a long time too oh yeah 10 12 so that must 14, have been especially 14, painful 15 years i have staff that's been with me for 15 years you know yeah. and um and and no, nobody makes a lot of money you know but we you know everybody is so close and working yeah. so hard and uh to just have it swept out from under you um, like that in such an instant and to know that, you know, the pressure is that you're doing the right thing for, for society, 
but you're hurting the people that you love and hurting yourself. Um, And I mean, I'll be honest, like restaurant work often feels like that anyway. Um, But, (laughs) you know, uh, this is something altogether different and, and, and uncertain and scarier. Um, Sure. And now, um, you know, we're in a position where, we've had to, you know, make the decision that it's just economically unsustainable for us to reopen Westminster and we won't ever? see ever. Uh, and, oh, man. and we just, we won't even see a first birthday there. Um, and so much time and energy and planning. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and and it's training. such a beautiful restaurant too. Yeah. I mean, for people, not familiar. I'm going to just jump in for a second and talk yeah, about go you. For it. <clears throat> Derek Wagner has been running Nick's on Broadway. I think I said it was 19 years, right? Wasn't it this yeah, past it's, year? Yeah, it's 18. 18. We're, we're going into our 19th year here. And one of the things that characterizes Derek's work, both in Nick's on Broadway and Nick's on Westminster, and this is in a city, Providence is a city full of restaurants. People should understand food culture in Rhode Island is paramount. It is one of the most important aspects of culture in this state. Um, from the growing businesses of uh, agriculture that are reviving here in Rhode Island to, uh, you know, especially in Derek's case, his support of agricultural businesses reviving and thriving, as well as uh, fishermen who have also been able to make connections with uh, like-minded restaurants like Derek, who do literally do walk the walk. They buy from farmers, they buy from fishermen right off the boat, right off the farm. They do all their own slaughtering, or not slaughtering, but all their own butchering in-house. I mean, it's it's literally a farm-to-table establishment. So while we're talking about sort of, you know, the impacts on you, I, you know, and having to literally say goodbye to this, you know, second uh, branch of Nick's, that you opened up this past July, like what is also the knock-on effect um, for your purveyors? You were talking about, you know, your accounts receivable. I mean, you've got, or whatever accounts payable, you've got, you know, all of these guys that are, some of them probably in contract to you in terms of like, Mm -hmm. yes, I'm going to grow you X number of pounds of, you know, snap peas or Swiss chard or whatever. Like how, how is that being negotiated? And you know what if what of those what are the the sort of the 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 realities in of those relationships now what's going on with that community it's uh i mean they're hurting too you know and that and that's mm-hmm. uh just overnight and this is why you know uh, as small and, and and grassroots as as we are uh why i love being in the collaborative and Mark, uh, my my counterpart is um, you know is is a vertical farmer, um, right? You know, and just overnight, you know, they just lost half their business because of unbelievable, the, you know, and and it's that way with all of our farmers, and they're they yeah. you know we we here in Rhode Island uh, and in Providence uh, have such a strong chef and hospitality worker and and farmer and producer uh, connection and community and yeah. we're so supportive of each other uh, you know but these are all small businesses and these are all people trying to feed their families and yeah i i know that what i'm dealing with is massively traumatic to my life and to the fan and to the lives of the people that i'm charged with 
uh, yeah. you know, taking care of and being responsible of, but so is it for them. And they're going to be feeling that they're going to be, the, they're, they're already the second wave uh, that's going to be affecting these layoffs, these loss of yeah. incomes. Um, I mean, it's, there's no way around it. If you are selling goods, um, if you are in the in the market to to sell anything uh, to consumers, and, and if your consumers are restaurants or hospitality businesses, you are all but dried up at this point. And and now, uh, when it comes to perishables, you've got um, just the potential loss of of so much product and food. Uh, that is just mind bending, and and that's yeah. lost revenue. That's food that could be feeding people. Um, and again, it, it just we we've already been doing so much to show the schism in food waste versus food insecurity, and the paradox mm-hmm. of that. And now you take something like this, uh, and it just amplifies that. And there are of course so many places that they could donate. Um, some of their food, but now you're forced with lockdowns and shutdowns and logistical um, challenges. Where how do they get that? If they do, how do they harvest this stuff? If they don't have a workforce, how do they get it to the food bank? How do they right. uh, pro- how do they process this stuff? You know, there's so many layers to this that um, as this comes out, I think people don't fully understand that yet, and and it's right. just gonna, it's just going to keep resonating in the worst way possible, amplifying in the worst way possible. Um, so our farmers are hurting and our small producers are hurting and we're trying to, uh, you know, with this little bit of uh, takeout, we, I picked back up with takeout at Broadway just again, just because I don't know what else to do, you know, and, and I, I have to try to keep going and try to provide, uh, you know, we're trying to do some some good work with the food that we're doing and try to keep at least a trickle of, of cash flow so that we can try to get some money to our, our farmers and our vendors. And right. um, because I'm not, it's not lost on me that, you know, if we make it through somehow, will there be, will the, will the farmers or the small wine shops and other businesses and producers and fishermen will they be there when we're done that's right at the other you know, end that's that's what i've been thinking there. and all this yeah. work all this work that we've done to make these connections to create these uh you know from an economics standpoint counterintuitive you know pushback on factory farming and these massive supply chains that have caused and wreaked so much havoc in our world today uh, you know, we've done so much across the country and the world to 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 move the dial in that direction, and now yes. uh, that's all uh, that's all on 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 the verge uh, of a very very fragile fragile state right now, and and it's scary, and it's really scary, and um, you know, we we think of restaurants are always the canary in the coal mine when it comes to consumer behavior. Um, because yes. the, first, the first thing that people do is, uh, you know, they're like, oh, I don't know if I have that extra $10 to go to the coffee shop. I don't know if I have that extra $15 to grab that sandwich or that extra $25, $30 to go grab dinner here. Right. Let's 
try to do something cheaper or let's maybe eat twice today instead of three times today or, you know, yep. cook at home once and then maybe grab some something small, you know. So we see it first and then it trickles out, but it's trickling out already. And, you know, the statistics sure. are just mind bending. And uh, so far, and we're only a few weeks into this. Um, yes, true. And that well, is, that is, it's just a, it's, it's, it's just massive. It's, it's hard to, it's, it is hard to uh, sift through all the layers of fallout, <clears throat> which uh, you, you've just eloquently um, described in terms of the food chain. We're going to take a short break here uh, for a sponsor drop, and we'll be right back with Derek Wagner, owner of Nick's on Broadway and um, Once Upon a Time, Nick's on Westminster. Stay tuned. The James Beard Foundation is a nonprofit with the mission to celebrate, nurture, and honor chefs and other leaders making America's food culture more delicious, diverse, and sustainable for everyone. And right now, it's working to respond to the dire situation the food and beverage community is in due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Restaurants, bars, and other independent food and beverage operations are often on the front lines of community revival. The majority of culinary community businesses have less than 500 employees, but collectively, this industry generates $1 trillion a year, 60 of which is pumped back into their local business communities. To help bring swift economic relief to these essential businesses, the James Beard Foundation launched a fund to provide micro-grants to independent food and beverage businesses in need. You can donate today at jamesbeard.org relief. This is Katie Kiefer speaking. Uh, I'm talking with uh, Derek Wagner, uh, a chef and restaurateur here in Providence, Rhode Island, uh, talking about the impact of uh, coronavirus on the restaurant industry in general, um, on his own establishments in particular. Um, he uh, shares a, a philosophy towards food that is going to have a very significant knock on. And by the way, Derek, you know, if you don't mind my saying, you're not the only one in Providence who sources the way you do. I'm no. thinking of, um, uh, you know, Ellen from Ellie's and Gracie's. Um, yeah. What is her last name? Ellen, Ellen something. It's Ellen S. Flattery. Flattery. Ellen Flattery. Yeah. 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 Also a fantastic restaurateur. Mm -hmm. Also an early, you know, like you, an early supporter of uh, buying directly from producers. Mm -hmm. um, and I can only imagine that she's going through really the same, if not worse, in a way, because Gracie's is a high-end restaurant, big ticket, uh, you know, menu. So that must have really taken a hit in uh, the early days of the virus, like when people started yeah, to catch yeah, it. Absolutely. I mean, everybody, Ellen has two, has several locations as well, and yeah. um, you know, big team, um, and in she and and so many others. So in the community, uh, Jake at Tallulah's and Matt at Shea Pascal and and um, right. Bo at New Rivers and 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 James at North and Big and King Oberlin and, and, and Oberlin, yeah. ben, ben at Oberlin and, and Birch and we're all feeling it and we're you know we're we're texting each other and and trying to keep each other up to date and um and and be there for each other and, you know as 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 best as we can through this and um, yeah. You know, there's a there's there's a, a bunch of us that 
you know, that are so close. And I, and I feel like I have a pretty good reputation in terms of having an open door policy where, you know, any chefs and operators and business owners shoot me texts or, or messages and, and ask questions or, you know, and, and I'm well, you are the leader. You're a leader because you're the co-chair of Chefs Collaborative. Mm -hmm. And that and that that leads me to my next question, which mm -hmm. is what what kind of role is Chefs Collaborative able to play um, in terms of a crisis like this? I mean, you have a national membership. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a very big organization. Well, and the yeah, the outreach is is huge and 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 uh, the community is is massive and yeah. you know and and it really it's it's a hard time. I was just talking to Mark earlier today, just a few mm -hmm. hours ago, and you know, messaging some Sammy Mansoor out in LA, and I'll be you know trying to follow up with some of the other chefs uh, later today, and trying to keep right. up with each other and message each other on on Instagram as we're balancing so many hats. And uh, the the best thing about the collaborative is that it's it's all you know owner operators and smaller smaller uh, business managers for the most part and people that are really on the ground in, in the trenches. But that's also really challenging too, because we're the ones, you know, that are trying to figure out how to survive this. Um, so yeah. you know, bandwidth is at an all time low and, and tension. Um, but at the same time, mm -hmm. there couldn't be, uh, you know, a, a more important time for community and connectivity and shared resource and support um, right. than, than now. So I feel like our role is amplified and in partnership with uh, and, and hopefully, you know, aggregating and driving uh, people to uh, resources and, and connections that can uh, help with specific challenges um, and um, commiserate in a way that is uh, encouraging and hopefully hopeful and, um, you know, sharing the burden with each other. Um, I, I feel like that is, that is the most important. And in terms of just our networks alone, um, you know, and between the collaborative and and the Beard Foundation and and the right. way that we've just built, um, you know, through text and email and instant messaging and uh, and and direct messages with social media, which so many of us use for our, you know to try to uh, connect with our with with each other and with um, with our guests and customers. Um, you know, we're rallying um, the troops and trying to generate uh, not just this support, but this unified voice that um, we must be heard. And, and this is now, you know, this has been coming in terms from the economic piece, I feel for a long time, you know, the economic model, traditional model of a restaurant, it, it, it has been on the brink of extinction for, for years now. Um, Interesting. The move to fast casual, the move to uh, how do we do more with less? How do we operate in this new economy? And uh, again, you know, any business that spends ninety-two to ninety-eight cents on the dollar, it it does. Why would you do it? Why would you do yeah. it? Right? And yeah. so this is really uh, from the economic piece, of course, is like. The straw that broke the camel's back in terms of exposing the fragility of our of our 
of our industry, you know, and we have people that now are still, you know, that are commenting as we ask for help and, and saying, well, you know, if you were good at what you did, you'd have money set aside for that, you know, and like things like that. And it's, it's really heart wrenching and challenging. And, and, you know, and, and at the end of the day, you're like, you know, you know, you're right, but I guess I'm not. And I guess we're not, I guess, uh, I don't know what to tell you, but um, you can't have, you know, you can't pay the same price that you paid 25 years ago for the right. same meal. It doesn't make sense. And it's time that people have a reckoning with that and understand that, you know, the, the argument of, well, I could go to the grocery store and pay and buy that for so much less, you know, like people still say that. And it's, and it's, well, and even though they have 10 people serving them or yeah. walk into establishment that's insured and has air conditioning and has, you know, uh, Wi-Fi and all these things. And like, you know, we right. have to understand that this is, um, this is bigger than what's happening right now. And, um, if we don't act, if we don't unify, if we don't share our story, if we don't call our congressmen and our representatives, if we don't speak out, then there will be nothing left on the other side of this. There will be nowhere. Yeah. It'll be maybe, it'll be corporate and takeout, maybe, you know, uh, but you're, yeah. you're, your your beautiful cafes where you have your comfortable nooks and and quirky coffee cups and and your favorite pubs that are owner operated where the where the owner is is pulling pints or, or uh, your small restaurants where uh, you know where the the husband and wife or the uh, the chef owner or chef manager or sh or owner operator is there to greet you and has a staff that remembers your name and is kind and knows exactly what you like and when you like it, you know, that's all going to go away. And yeah, um, I think we need to be prepared oh for that. The public needs to be prepared yeah. for that. If they, if, if our, um, if our elected officials and our, and our government and, and also our, the people that have been profiting off of us, the in insurance agencies and uh, insurance industry um, doesn't act you know, and doesn't act accordingly, um, then this is life as we know it is changing and, and will yes. not go back and it will not go back. And the longer this goes on and it's not ending anytime soon, um, right. it, it's just not, you know, um, national guards are mobilizing all over the country. Oh, they visited me. That they doesn't came to my house. And you know where I live, Derek, I live yeah. way up this, you know, long, long ass dirt road. And I'm out there shoveling manure with my cousin the other day, and this, <laughs> these, you know, these huge cop cruiser and a, and a and a van full of national guardsmen pull up. I mean, you could have knocked me over with a feather. And it's, they're like it, looking for New Yorkers. Well, I'm a former New Yorker. I mean, I didn't know whether they knew that I had been in Europe for two months, yeah. and they were tracking me down for that, or whether they thought somebody told them I was from New York and that I, yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. But it, it was really a trippy experience, I'll tell you. I appreciated it on the one hand, but it was it was a chilling yeah, moment. Yeah, no question. And it, and it's it's sobering, and it and it's it all feels yeah. like a it all feels like a bad episode of Black Mirror, you know. And I just want to yeah. wake up, <laughs> right? Listen, before we go, because we're going to have to wrap it up in a couple of minutes, or people will, you know, with their yeah. flea-like attention spans, will <laughs> stop listening. But I do want to ask you one question, which mm -hmm. is this. 
when you speak about a unified voice uh, presenting to Congress, whether it's mm-hmm. on a state or a federal mm-hmm. level, mm-hmm. what what is the you know like what are you hoping to get in terms of a, like you know airlines are getting billions of dollars, yes. you know all these other big tech industries will undoubtedly get billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. How much you know ballpark? Maybe this is an unfair question to ask, but ballpark, what do you think would be an appropriate measure? Uh, financially to help prop up um, restaurateurs like yourselves with the, you know, sort of with the supply chain that goes along with them. Um, And and how can you convey that necessity to the the I think I think that's it's hard to articulate it in terms of uh, just direct, you know, money and cash. But Mm -hmm. what's needed right now is time and money or time and or money uh you know and by that i mean if if we're not going to give reprieves on uh from lending institutions from creditors from credit cards from mortgages from insurance payments um if we are not going to give those reprieves uh, then it has to come in the form of cash, right? And if right. it's not going to come wholly in the form of cash, which we know it won't, um, then it, there has to be immediate stoppages on or grace periods in terms of uh, health insurance, in terms of uh, liability insurance, in terms of yeah. workers' compensation insurances, in terms of taxes, property taxes, sales taxes, um, in terms of uh, loans and loan forgiveness expansion. Uh, All of those things are so important. We have over 7 million jobs have been lost in just the last few weeks across America and the hospitality industry. 7 million, Million. right? $1 trillion generated by the culinary industry. And and that's that's 4% of the GDP yearly. Okay, wow, we thank you for those statistics. Right? So we have 11 million Americans employed in, in, in independent restaurants is what I'm, what I'm being told. And the, that's an estimated $225 billion lost revenue over wow. the next three months. Right? Now, that is going to have massive and far-reaching impact. And what we're hoping and what I'm hoping and um, is that there is a an actual acceptance, understanding, and immediate action taken to help curtail uh, the fallout from this. And this happens, you know, I've been this week alone, I was on the phone um, with a, gr- a group of small business owners uh, with my, with our, our congressman, um, Jack Reed, and also Representative Jim Langevin and separate calls, you know, trying to uh, understand these these bills that are coming out, how they affect us, what our responsibilities are as employers, right? Because, you know, there's there's so many ramifications. What are the resources? What's the time frame on this? You know, these these systems, unemployment insurance um, are being... Uh, are you know the, the systems are crashing? I have staff you know showing up um, asking to use the computer because they're you know they can't do it from home and they're trying to figure out how to use the site and we're trying to help them and you know it's it, it's just massive and at the we need yeah. we need space we need breathing room and we need yeah. money 
and we need assistance. So yeah. I think what we're asking is that uh, one, people understand the massiveness of this, and and two, that you call your congressman and your representatives, and you try to um, to convey the importance that not only the workers. Uh, but the workers and the small business owners need help and need immediate action because yeah. tax, tax credits is what some of the first bills are offering, you know, are not going to help us if we are shuttered and we can't reopen. You know, tax credits at the end yeah. of the year don't help. Yeah. You know, an SBA loan, uh, a f you know, with a 3.75% interest, the last thing that another small business, a small business needs is another loan, another mortgage. Yeah pay and that's not going to help yeah. it so we need more we need better we need them to act and, and it needs to be meaningful but most importantly it needs to be expedient because the bills aren't stopping the yeah. bills are not stopping and and yeah. if if we lose coverage if we lose insurance if if our properties uh go into into foreclosure um then we cannot provide for any of the people that depend on us and uh we employ so many people, so many good people, um, and yeah. we're all trying to do the right thing. So we're coming together um, as best as we can while, of course, spinning the plates of, of, of taking care of our own and figuring out how we're going to get by the day-to-day. -day. Um, and, and we're just asking that everybody um, lend their voice to that effort. Well, thank you, uh, Derek. We'll wrap it up on that. And to be continued, let's speak again in a few weeks. Thank you, Katie, um, And just so kind of keep a finger on the pulse of what's going. I know HRN is doing a lot with uh, other chefs um, and other groups, but, uh, you know, I've got my own little constituency listening. So um, thank you so much for your time. I wish you all the best, my dear fellow. You're such a wonderful guy, such a great member of the community on so many levels. Uh, it just breaks my heart to hear this story. Um, so I hope that, you know, a resolution is found that everybody can live with uh, in the very, very near future, like tomorrow. So um, thank you so much for listening, folks. Uh, thanks to my engineer for hooking me up with this fancy rig here. Um, I, I, we, we managed. I hope the sound isn't terrible, but uh, stay tuned. We'll have more about the restaurant industry and then uh, also about farming and agricultural produ you know, production and what, what this all means uh, in terms of our food chain. So thanks, uh, everybody, for listening, and thanks to my sponsor. Over and out for now. See you next week. Bye-bye. What Doesn't Kill You is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.